0: One thing with baptism is that God has a sense of humor sometimes. And yesterday I had come in. On Friday I came and I set the tub up and I filled the tub. And I came in and I was talking to Tim yesterday. He's was going to turn the uh, heater on. I was ready to go. And I was talking. I, you know, Tim said, well, you know, you're going to want to fill that up. I'm like, yeah, like how much more full can I make it? So I come up and there is no water in the tub. I'm like, whoa. So I'm thinking it had to go somewhere. You know, I'm looking under the stage. I'm thinking a nice new drum cage I just ruined. Like, where did it go? Well, the hose was in the tub, and I guess science happened, and it siphoned every bit of water out of the tub back into the utility room. So that was fun. So God has a way. God has a way. Like, what's going on? I'm like, are you trying to punk me, God? Are you trying to punk me up here? Whoo! I wanted today to continue speaking out of the book of James. Over the past couple weeks, and it's been divided up because, you know, we had Tommy here last week and Dina spoke one week. It's been divided up, but I cannot get out of the book of James. And so I want to continue there. When we were speaking out of James before, when we were together, we were learning things like James telling us that trials are going to come. That you will not face a test without being equipped. James talked about the fact that when there are trials, you have an opportunity to gain godly patience, this strength that you didn't know you had that allows you to bear up under the weight that it's this God experience that you and him know about. James talked about the difference between happiness and joy. He talked about true godly wisdom That when we don't know what to do, we have the ability to ask God and he will give us wisdom for that task, for that moment, for that season. Today we're going to read out of James chapter 1 verses 12 through 16. Blessed is the man who endures temptation for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desire and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, it brings forth death. I think about trials in my life, and as I said before, that God will not allow you to go through a trial without making sure that you are equipped to face that trial. It reminds me of when I got my driver's license, that my driving instructor was named Vicki. She was a family friend who had known me since I had been a child. I didn't really know her, but she knew my family. And she, with that Aries K car made sure that I was equipped to pass my test. So much so that the evening after I took my test, she called the house. And when my mom said, it's Vicky, the first thing she said is, tell me the good news. She knew that I would pass because she had equipped me to pass. Well, James, he begins to differentiate here between trials and temptations. That's what today's about. I don't know if you have ever had Varmints in your house, like mice. I live in the country. They just move in in the fall. It's just a normal thing we do. I don't know if you've ever used these baits, decon. You know, a lot of people say it's rat poison. It's not really rat poison. No, what's weird is I didn't even have to research this for a sermon because this is the kind of weird stuff I read about just in my spare time. Uh, Decon contains something called... uh, Bratifacum. That's how I'll say it, bratifacum, because I don't know if I... But the end of that, okay, the cum part, bratifacum, coumadin. So coumadin is something that doctors will give in order to treat blood clots. You know, it, it will thin the blood. And so what's wild about this is that mice will eat this stuff... And it's not like this stuff kicks in right away. It is a tiny, tiny amount. And what's wild about it is the poison is patient. It'll stay in their system. And because the mice are unsuspecting, they will return to the thing that feeds them over and over until they build this up in their body and it does them harm. And what's really strange that I learned, another fact that I just knew, I don't even know why Dina married me with all this weird nonsense that I read. You place decon where the mice go. So mice, I have learned, will run along a corner. That's how they navigate. And so at my house, if I have to place traps or bait, I do not buy 200 traps. I buy two traps and place them along the wall. The idea here is that there are traps laid in the places that you choose to walk at times. Some of us choose to walk in places knowing the traps are there. That will not end well. It is time as a church that maybe we should begin to walk a different path because we're tired of the nonsense that was associated with the traps. We're tired of the places that we used to walk, that God's calling us to go to different places, and we need to be brave enough to step out and to go to those places. As a person, do you know what I like to do? I like to shift blame. Always have. It's because I'm a human. You do too. It's just something that we do. In the midst of temptation, sometimes we like to blame God. It's true. A child can be alone and still try to shift blame. Show me that family circus thing. I used to read family circus in the paper when I was young. Like in family circus, there was this little transparent ghost and his name was not me. And the mom would come in and be like, who drew all over the floor with markers? And the kids would be like, not me. And like they weren't trying to get out of it. They were really just saying, hey, it was the invisible ghost. He did it. And I feel like sometimes in my life, I'm like, it's not me. It's not me. No one teaches us to pass blame. It's just instinct. It goes all the way back to the garden. You think of Adam. He was pointing at Eve as soon as he could. Like when blame was to be passed, we have a way. God, why did you let it happen? Well, here's the thing, church. We're awfully adept at placing emphasis on blame. We're not as clear at times placing emphasis on deliverance, placing emphasis on the God plan, on the God path on calling out the traps, calling out the evil as it is. We need to begin to operate from a mind of Christ. We need to begin to operate with power, love, and sound mind, just as he created us to. We need to understand, and we said this before, that everything we go through is not about us. It's so wild that two weeks ago, I was talking about when those three boys were thrown into the furnace. And how maybe, just maybe, it... Wasn't about them, but maybe it was about the king getting to see something that he had never seen before. So we go to camp meeting this week, and Tony Suarez says something, and I'm like, whoa, how did I miss that? He said, show me in the Bible, show me in Daniel chapter 3, where the three Hebrew children saw Jesus in the fire. The king saw it, but does it say anywhere that they saw him? Think of that, that the things we go through, there are times that it is for the world to see this Jesus that we speak about in the midst of the things that we go through. And there are times that I'm saying, but you're not here, but you're not there. It's just like this empty space. Maybe the world is looking in and seeing him clearer than they have ever seen him before in the things that you are going through. In James 1, 2, we see that trials are inevitable. In James 1, 13, we see that temptation in this age is inevitable. There is this thing. It's called life. Things are going to happen. Things are going to happen. It is a guarantee. Temptation provides an opportunity for advancement, though. Just like a trial provides an opportunity for advancement, so does temptation. We need to come to a place where we can say, God, I did not ask for this, but I'm going to use it as a springboard to where you want to take me. I didn't ask for this. I'm not going to stand here and argue the fairness of it. I didn't ask to be here, but I'm going to be here as your man. Look around the room right now and pick out who you think the wisest person is. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, do that. Even the wisest person in this room, if they operate outside of God, is going to make foolish decisions. That's a guarantee. Proverbs 19.3 says, the foolishness of a man twists his way and his heart frets against the Lord. In other words, I choose all the wrong paths and then I shake my fist at God saying, why did you let me do that? Proverbs 14.12, there is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So when you start walking down the wrong path, it doesn't stay the wrong path, but it branches off into all different paths. I need to come to a place where I'm not bullheaded. I need to come to a place where I'm not my own worst enemy. My human nature makes sin enticing. My human nature, mine, I need to take responsibility as a pastor, it's hard sometimes when you hear people giving so much credit to the devil when really it's just sometimes a bunch of dumb decisions. Just being real. Like, we do things and then we have consequence and we're like, that devil. I'm like, come on. You know, that devil did not say to get that eighth credit card. I'm sorry, he didn't. He doesn't work for like some company to sell credit cards. We... When we come to a place where we stop blaming God, it's called maturity. It's called stepping forward into who he made us to be. When it comes to temptation, temptation a lot of times starts in here. Desire, it's a strong longing. It's an intense longing. I remember when Liam was young and there were two things. It was balloons and candles. And if he entered a room and there was a balloon, he would pop it. If he entered a room and there was a candle, he would blow it out. He had a desire to do these things and nothing could stop him. We're like that sometimes. God says, don't do that. You're like, that? What would you say about that? Let me dwell on that. It says in Genesis 3, 6 that when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, it was pleasant to the eyes, a tree desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruit and she ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. As the family of God, if I can pass advice along, it's time for us to own it. It's time for us to own this walk. It's time for us to say, God, I want you to take me places, but I am going to take responsibility when I fumble. I'm going to do it. Nowadays, in churches, you'll hear a term. There used to be a term you would hear in churches a lot. Do you know what it's called? It's called sin. There's a term now that's called struggle. It's like we've gotten a thesaurus out, and we've changed sin to struggle. Like, well, I struggle there. Well, I, mm, I don't know if that's really how God sees it. I'm reminded of this. I had a relative. My relative was in the military my relative retired from the military. When my relative retired, they retired at a relatively low rank for the amount of time that they had been in the service. And I always wondered about that. And so I had asked about it one day. And the answer was simple. They like to fight more than they like to obey. Came back from... Vietnam, went to a bar. There's a man there in the bar, he had long hair. My relative didn't like that. So he punched the person and knocked them out of the bar, like out the door into the street, like something you'd see in a Western movie. Do you know why? Just because. Just because. And I feel like there are times that we can get so that we like fighting more than we like obeying. We like fighting with God more than we like obeying God. We like to do it our way more than we just want to obey. And what happens is we end up at this place where you think, shouldn't I be farther along right now than I am? Temptation, it's made. It's tailored to our own desire. It's unique to each person. What tempts one person may not tempt another person. See, with that decon, like I said, it's patient. It stays in your system. That unsuspecting victim, they'll go back time and time again. they would be like, you know what? That wasn't bad. That thing that I showed up on the screen with that mouse, it was a commercial. And if you remember the commercial, it was a dinner party. And at the dinner party, the one rat's talking the other rat. And they're like, oh, these hors d'oeuvres are delicious. And then the other rat's like, oh, everyone thinks that I made them, but I didn't. And they're like, you didn't? And she says, no, it's decon. And then right then, like, all the rats in the room die. It's morbid. It's morbid. But... The unsuspecting mouse will return to the thing that feeds them. It's time for us through the discernment of Jesus Christ to begin to get suspect of the things that the devil's laying in our path. It's time for us to look at it and be like, I'm not going to pretend that that is provision when that is poison. I'm not going to pretend that that's something that God laid down or wonder about it. I'm going to walk the other way discernment it's wild you get in church like this week we had an episode you know some of you got these scam emails for me wanting gift cards and personal information yeah because like that's not creepy and it's amazing how much turmoil that caused this week And, you know, I had said to Dina, I'm like, this scares me because someone may actually think that's me. But what's wild is the people who know me know that I am like a grammar freak. Right. So when I send if I send you a text, it's going to be in full. I don't do like BRB for be right. No, I type it all out and it's in the King's English and that's how we roll. But when it comes to discernment, I was praying because I feel like, you know, I mean, truthfully, I have friends that are Christians, that are church people, that when you say discernment, we need to get to a place where, I mean, I'll just be real for a moment. It's hard sometimes when you see your Christian friends putting on the internet that the lizard people are in charge of our government and things like that, and then you're like, okay. I mean, is this like a trick email? Like, no, the lizard people run our country. And I'm thinking like, okay, I don't know how your spiritual discernment's working. Like if you're thinking the lizard people are running things, we need to be able to pray and get to a place where we can say, no, that's weird. Step away from that. Temptation will rarely come in a way that we expect it. It wears a mask. The reason temptation wears a mask is because no one would choose it if we knew what it really looked like. The Bible, it says we are drawn away and enticed. Those are hunting metaphors. Here we are, part of the flock. Here we are, we're all together. And imagine us all being together, and then you look in the pond, and in the pond, there's duck decoys. And I'm like, hey, Zach, it's awesome hanging with you, man. I love being with you, but those plastic ducks down there, I think I can go hang with them. And when you get there, bad things happen. The wording there is dragged away. You are dragged away from the things that are important. Temptation, it says, I read this quote, rarely comes in the form of the grandchild. When we would do the Teens in Action program, we would go help widows and widowers who had homes and weren't able to take care of their yards. When we would go and do this program, we would meet some fascinating older people. And while the kids were working, the older people would be hugging me and like, oh, you're so great. I wouldn't be doing the work, but they would be hugging me and talking. I'd be like, oh, yeah, this is great. But after a while, they would go in the house and come out with a 37-year-old can of Fago. And be like, do you want the pop? And I'd be like, no, no. But I was too far in. I was too deep. I couldn't say no to the fago, And it tasted like drinking Drano at that point. I got baited in. I got reeled in. Temptation, when it's left unchecked, will eventually bring forth death. What begins as desire, unless it's directed at God, will bring forth death. Desire, it's kind of like going to Sam's Club on an empty stomach. You're leaving with something. Leaving with something you didn't want. That sweet lady with little Dixie cup, and she's like, here, you know, it's granola. And you leave with a 75-pound bag of granola that you will not eat in your lifetime. You will regret it. Desire will lead to the birth of something. Pastor Nip taught marriage in the family, and in marriage in the family class, Pastor Nip pop quiz. Pastor Nip, what was the number you said? If they spend how much time together? Remember, there was what was it? Three hundred hours. hours. So he would tell people, if you are dating and you spend three hundred hours together, highway to the danger zone, Maverick Lake. <laughs> problems, problems are going to happen, and. It was true. It's true. Desire will lead to the birth of something. Sometimes when babies are born, they aren't real cute. (laughs) But I guarantee none of you in this room have ever been like, when you saw a baby. I bet you haven't because the mama will fight you. The mama will fight you. And the same thing is true with baby sin. Like everything that an infant does, oh, it's so cute. It's so cute how they spit up. Oh, it's so cute. You know how they scream in your ear or whatever. I guess so cute. We have a way of defending it with sin, the same thing. Like we defend it. We baby it. We carry it around. It's twisted, but it's true. And Pastor Nip, hey, another one for you. His quote, deceived people don't know they're deceived because they're deceived. And so you're carrying, you're like, oh, look at my baby, look at my baby. And no one can say anything about your baby because you will fight them. So while we nurture this baby's sin and all of our friends, you're like, is just, they haven't talked to me as much. Yeah. Yeah, they haven't. Our nature is to protect the baby. I worked with teens and youth group for many years. I am five feet tall. As the teens got to the ripe old age of 14, many of them got taller than me. By the time they were ready to leave youth group, they were giants. They were like the sons of Anak from the Bible. They were just huge. I mean, Evan, you are like seven feet tall, aren't you? He's just tall. Here's my question for you. How big does sin have to grow before it's considered adult size? Because the Bible says when it's full grown, it brings forth death. But how tall, how big are we going to let it grow? I mean, are you going to sit around? Are you going to like have your tape out? You know how you put a mark by the wall and you'd be like, oh, sin, look at you. You grew two more inches, you're getting so big. No, because the problem is when it's full grown, it's not going to tell you, it's going to kill you. And we need to deal with it as such, as such. Sin is attractive to us because we aren't fully there yet first Corinthians 13 talks about the perfect when the perfect comes it's imperfect right now around here in a lot of ways not at church I'm saying in our world it's imperfect and James is urging us don't give in don't give in God is at work, and God can change your nature. If you give your heart fully to him, he will change your nature. Apart from Jesus, I am not wise enough to see that it's poison. Apart from Jesus, if I even could see the poison, I would probably still take it anyway because that's my nature. In a block of that decon, do you know how much poison is really in it? It's not even poison. How much of that blood thinner is? .005%. The whole block. Me and my heart. Can't you just see me if I was a mouse? I'd just be like, ah, oh, ah. Oh. I'd be putting it away. At home at night, it's easier to reach for the Cheetos than is the protein bar. And I do that in a spiritual sense as well. The Bible says that Every good gift comes down from a good God. He is the creator of new creations. When I was a child, I didn't have siblings, but I understand when there were siblings and it was Christmas time that kids would count their gifts and they would count their siblings gifts. And those gifts better be the same thing. I want to get to a place spiritually where I'm counting the gifts that God has placed within me instead of counting the things I can complain about, instead of counting the things that I'm unhappy with, the things that I hate. He's given us this gospel to rescue us from death. He changes the desires of my heart to look more like him. He overturns a death sentence. Apart from him, I would have a foolish thirst for the poison. But on the other side of this, there's a measure of true joy that waits. There's a godly form of satisfaction on the other side of this that lets me know that he and I have walked somewhere together, that we have been part of this journey. The God twist is that both trials and temptation can set you up for promotion. The devil looks at it like it's going to make you look bad and it's going to destroy you, but God looks at it like a way for you to be promoted. How do I approach it in faith? I'm going to close, I'm going to close by reading that verse 12. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Now when you look at those words, blessed is the man who endures, blessed is the man who has fortitude, blessed is the man who abides, from the Greek words that are used here, blessed is the man who tarries behind. That's the one that really stuck with me. There are times when you feel like everyone else has moved on and you're just left there. There are times that you feel like you have been abandoned. Maybe you are in a spot. When it's my wife, my wife says she cannot go shopping with other people because it's very distracting to her. She needs to be focused when she shops. Maybe... Just maybe God's gotten you alone so you can focus on him during this time. Maybe what feels like the worst part of temptation is actually him getting time alone with you. When it says temptation, do you know what the word temptation means there? It means to put to proof. It speaks of looking at a coin back in that time, taking a coin and seeing if what it says it contains is really in there. Is it corrupted? Is it counterfeit? Is it really in there? So when you are tested... When you go through these things, it's for you to come out the other side and for God to say, I knew it was in there. I knew it was in there the whole time. And it says they will receive a crown. Now, we have often heard that that's spoken about like with the Greek games, that you would get the laurels placed on your head. But I think of it more like that when I was a kid. Miss Universe would come on. I just remember it was a big deal. Like, who's going to win? Who's going to win? And what's wild is when the crown was placed on their head, oh, my gosh. I mean, I was just like, wow, this is the best moment ever. Like, the glitter's falling, the confetti's falling, they're crying mascara. They're trying to get that, like, up in their hairspray and stuff to stick with that. And I'm thinking this. Like, they have arrived. It's the greatest moment of their life. And there are times spiritually that I feel like it's going to be like that. That there are things that you have gone through publicly. There are things that you have dealt with publicly. But there's going to be a public crowning that comes from God. It isn't that he's going to go outside and pick some shrubbery and stick it in your hair. But he's going to pick the finest crown. And he's going to put it on your head. And he's going to do so because he's proud of you. He's proud of the accomplishment in this season. He has seen what you have gone through. I say that. because it's tough at times but endure I say that because some of the things that some of you are going through may not seem fair some of the things you've gone through don't seem fair but I don't believe for a second that God is any farther away he is near he is near he's a loving father He is someone that, you know, we can look at all different ways. Like some people think that God created this world, set it in motion, and just turned his back. Some people that, you know, they see religion through their works and what they can do, and that gets them closer to heaven. I believe in the grace of Jesus Christ that takes upside down lives and turns them right side up. And then some. If you'll stand.